Hey church, Pastor Adam here, and I want to say thank you so much for stopping by to join us for Church Online today. And, and while we are super stoked that you're hanging out with us this morning, we do want to remind you that really this is just is supplemental. And man, it just cannot replace the local church in your life. And so look, we hope that you are encouraged and, and challenged and shaped by today's message that's being preached. Uh, but, but also, we don't want to be uh, your substitute. Uh, for the local church body that you should be involved in. We really do believe that the local church is God's plan A in reaching the world. So with that being said, please come hang out with us in person uh, one Sunday. If you're in Paducah in the area, come hang out with us to get some rest or find a local Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching church that you can get plugged in and connected to. Uh, Jesus loves the church and and we love Jesus and, and we believe that we can better serve uh, Jesus, if we love his church well. So, welcome to rest. Good morning, rest church. Come on, guys. Good morning, rest church. That's a little better. A little better. So that song, Magnificent Trinity, this is just for free while I'm getting my stuff ready. But the bridge of that song, when he says, there's a spirit inside me like rivers that can't be tamed. All I can think about is the woman at the well when he says, you know, if you, drink of me, if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. And it, quenching the thirst is only a third, a fifteenth minuscule amount of what really happens there. So, that was for free. Anyway, so my name's John. I'm one of the pastors here at Rest. I'm very, very humbled and honored to be able to be with you guys today. Especially to talk about this text where we're starting in chapter 5. Because as we recap a little bit, if you guys have been with us or if you're new today, we've been in the book of Romans and we've been line by line, verse by verse, exegetically through the entire book. And that's how we do it here. We, ex we want to exposit every single period, every single exclamation mark, every piece of punctuation. We want to make sure that we do our absolute best to exposit it correctly. And so, where we've been at in Romans, see Romans chapter 1 through chapter 3 verse 21 is really all about wrath. And we see that no matter what any of us do, whether you're Jew, Gentile, Mozambican, it doesn't matter. We all are broken and in need of rescuing. And so, the church in Rome, as we all know, was really made up of some, some Orthodox Jews who had became Christian. So they had grown up through the law with all the Old Covenant, with Moses and the Ten Commandments and all of that. And then there were also the Gentile people of the church in Rome who were like us, who were not, I would assume nobody in here has ever been Orthodox Jew, maybe so. But the majority of us are all in America, Christianity. And it's really the Gentiles are more of us. So, that first chapter through verse 3, we just see, again, the wrath of God that is dealt out for everyone who has sinned, which is everyone in this room. Everyone you've ever known, everyone your family's ever known, as far back to Adam. So we went through that, and that was painful, just, to, just every day, every Sunday, just wrath, wrath, wrath. And then we get to the biggest but now, for me, in the whole Bible, 
in verse 21 of chapter 3 of Romans where we started to see where Paul lays out that, hey, all this really bad, this giant mountain of bad that, that we can't escape, there's a but now that comes in for that. And it shows us that but now is pointing to Jesus, right? Everything in creation, Jesus is the turning point for that. And we learned about that all the way through the end of chapter 4, really, is hinging upon what that means that Jesus came in. And so the last few weeks with chapter 4, we've really been deep diving where Paul is teaching us how we have been justified by faith. And he lays out the path that Abraham walked through, proving and justifying, well, not justifying, but proving and authenticating that we have been justified by faith and faith alone. And he shows us that through the history of Abraham, right here in verse 21, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. So we've been there for the last few weeks, really just understanding justification by faith. And today, in chapter 5, I'm really excited about it because chapter 5 is really the first start of where it explains to us what it means. What it means for us to have our faith counted to us as righteousness. And it is a huge, huge deal. And so chapter 5 really through verse 11 lists a myriad of blessings and things that happen for the believer because of our faith in Jesus And so this morning, we're going to talk about three. We're going to talk about peace with God. We're going to talk about that we get to stand in grace. And we're going to talk about that we have hope in glory. So right now, I want to pray. That's kind of caught us up, so I want to pray, and then we'll get into today's text. Lord, as I stand here in front of you, God, I pray that you would just speak through me, speak to us in such a way that we leave changed. Lord, I say it every pulpit, every time I'm in this pulpit, but Lord, I don't want to play church today. I want the people here to understand that what are coming, what's coming out of my mouth is your eternal truth. And God, without, a, without living ears to hear it, we're just... We're just dead, and so Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're saying to us this morning, that we can walk away with something solidified and changed to a greater degree of being like you and understanding you and understanding your majesty. And so Lord, I pray that right now that you would just give me the wisdom to know what to say and the wisdom to know what not to say. And that you would let it fall on hungry ears to hear your word. That you would, would you do a work in our heart, Lord. And please, at this time, that you would increase and that I would decrease. And we ask it in your son Jesus' name. Who only authority I have is in him. Amen. All right. So if you have a Bible this morning, or a tablet, or... We've got the screen up there, but there's something about getting intimately close with your Bible and just knowing geographical locations of things. So if you don't have one and you'd like to use one, there's one on the back of the rows. 
But we are going to be in, like I said, in Romans 5, and we're going to start in verse 1. So I'll give everybody just a quick sec to get there. Okay. So verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So right off in verse 1, it's just a little note, but right off in verse 1, he throws in the therefore. Now see, as we've, as we've been growing through the book of Romans, we, all, we know in this church anyway that when Paul throws out a therefore, it's conclusional, it, it's foundational, it's bringing, it's bringing some evidence to something he said previous. And so just as just a little nugget for you guys as you're growing and learning how to read your word and how to study better, Key words like therefore are always really good to remember because after therefore, everything in the book's important. But it's definitely a highlight. And so we see that Paul explained, like we just went over in verse 24 a second ago, that it was counted, it will be counted to us, I'm sorry, yeah, it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. So Paul is saying, because of that, we're going to lead into what we've got today. The therefore really starts us on this journey of what the righteousness for us actually means. So the first little section of verse 1, we see where it says, we have been justified by faith. Okay, so again, if you've been at rest for the last few weeks, we're pretty familiar with this one because that's what we've been, that's what we've been studying through for several weeks. And so justified, remember, the, the good little way to remember that is just as if you've never sinned. You're not a hardened criminal that has your record simply overlooked by someone cutting you a break. And you're truly viewed as righteous and forgiven. If you believe these things about Jesus and have become a new creature, your record is wiped clean. Never to be held over your head again. Now, Kat, don't pull up the scripture just yet. I'll we'll play a game. So don't pull these up. Romans 3.23. Does anybody in this room just know that off the top of your head? Oh, yeah, Cody, you don't count. You don't count. Anybody else? I bet if I start quoting it, for all have? Absolutely. What's the verse after that? What's that say? See, that's what's important. That's what's important. You've got to memorize the good stuff too. The verse right after that one says, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It hit me as I was studying this and I came across that verse and I just thought, man, I, I've always memorized the 23, but uh, that one hit me too. So that's the bulk of it. We've been justified by faith. We've been justified by faith in Jesus. So if you move to the next chunk of that verse 1 that highlights we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now see, peace with God and the peace of God are two different things. 
Now, we get access to both. And we'll get into the peace of God here in a minute. But this scripture is specifically pointing toward peace with God. See, the peace of God, that's the type of peace that God's presence brings. God sitting on his throne today is... He's sitting on his throne in complete authority over everything. And I promise you, he's not worried about a single thing. He's not worried about his schedule. He's not worried about my schedule. He's not worried about, well, wisdom was, uh, he, he, he slacked a little bit today, so I don't know what, I'm, I, I, what I had for him tomorrow. I don't necessarily know what we're going to figure out. You know, he's not worried about any of that. And when you walk with him, you also learn the peace of being with God and having assurance that he is what he says he is about himself. It's the peace that calms the soul of the believer no matter what the circumstances because you know deeply and fully who's in control. It's the peace that Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 where he says it's a peace that surpasses all understanding to guard your heart and to guard your mind in Christ Jesus. It just it completely rests in the one who is in control. Now see, now peace with God, like this verse is talking about, is different. It means that we are no longer destined for the wrath of God that we desperately deserve. So it's something that we really have to understand, our weakness and our depravity, in a deep way to grab the scale and magnitude of like you are guilty in every single way. Every single way. Every law that God has written, we have broken in one merit or another. And I mean, without him, we wouldn't even muster enough wisdom to even see the truth of that without the Lord showing us and revealing our wickedness to our own hearts. And see, Jesus' death ensures us that we're no longer enemies of God. Just like it says, I'm skipping ahead a little, but in, in chapter 5, verse 10, it even says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And see, even there are times in life when it feels like you're being condemned from every side. Every side. Every side of this war that we're in, because we're in a war. We're in a war. We talked about it in the last couple weeks. The enemy is going to condemn you. If you remember in the book of Job, Satan is in heaven and he's saying, yeah, this guy here, I mean, like, yeah, he follows you because, because you take care of him. Like, what about, let me at him. Let me get at him. You know, and you see that Satan is the accuser. Satan will always condemn you. The law if you're reading the books of the law without the Holy Spirit illuminating in you and giving you hope, the law condemns you. And if you're being truthfully honest with yourself, when you back up and look at, the, at your conscience and you look at your heart, on the days where you can, be, you can have your flesh subdued enough to see the truth, even your own conscience will condemn you. Guilty. Except that God the Father completed that punishment and satisfied the need for justice through Jesus. 
in such a way that he is, he's able to do that and to prove that he is both just, God is good and perfect and just, and also he can be the justifier. He can declare us righteous and keep the context of his character. And see, I feel like this part of salvation is the one that gets highlighted the most. You know, even, even people that know nothing about Christianity at all know that Jesus will keep you out of hell. That's, that's the thing that the rest of the world, that's the thing that everybody hangs on to. And see, sometimes I think the word saved, the verbiage of using the word saved, kind of, kind of makes the focal point there. And I don't have anything wrong with using the word saved. But I think it just encapsulates just a tiny bit of the gospel. It tends to push our thoughts toward the one focus of I'm no, longer, I'm no longer going to be judged and condemned. But really it's just the beginning of the benefits and Billy Mays is going to help us out because wait, there's more. He's just not there. That's cool. Rock and roll. We can go on. Hi, here we go. I spent like five whole minutes looking for that picture. All right, anyway, just a little laugh in the middle. So moving to verse 2 is where, is where it really gets deep. So we see in verse 2, Through him we have also, him being Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith. Obtained access. Now here is the time from, from here on out through this is, if I'm going to get emotional, it'll be somewhere in here. And this is where, to me, the gospel really starts getting wonderful. Because not only are we separated from the punishment that we rightly deserve, we are permitted access to that peace of God that we were talking about earlier. We're granted access into that. We're granted access that we've never been able to manage without Jesus. So I have an example here. And it's, it's a poor example, but it will do the job. It's, hard, it's a hard thing to really articulate other than just the gospel itself. But let's say that you went downtown. You were in a big city. We'll say Chicago or something. You're downtown and you've heard that the party of the year is happening in this building. And you're thinking like, man, I'm all dolled up. I want to go to this party. I'm headed to this party. And so you go downtown and you find the building and you see a long, long, long line of people trying to get in to the front door of this establishment. Right? And it's like you walk up and you realize, like, man, I'm never, I'm never going to get into that thing. So maybe you get a little discouraged and you walk around the corner, just kind of kicking rocks, you know, just... And so you happen to look up, and you see a side entrance. And it's got the cool little stanchions and the nice fluffy velvet rope, and there's like a monster behemoth bodyguard standing at the door. And you just think, well, like, nobody's at that door. Maybe I'll give that a shot. And you walk up, you walk around the stanchions, and you walk right into this fellow. And he, he pushes you back, and he says, hey, this is the VIP lounge for this party. You can't get in here. What are you trying to do? What are you thinking? Well, you, you're not, you can't come in here. If you aren't on the list, you can't even get into the, 
the front door of the party, let alone in here. There's no way you're making it in here. And so you kind of back up from him a little and you kind of look around the corner of the building and you see the monstrous line and you look back and you see Schwarzenegger standing at the door and you're thinking like, man, there's, there's really no way I'm getting into this party. There's just no, there's no way for me to go. So you kind of just take off down the street. And then you see a very dignified and important person walk up and he kind of grabs you and he says, you know, come here. And he walks with you to the door of the VIP access lounge and he looks at the, the bodyguard and he says, it's okay for him to come in. He's on my list. He's on my list. So not only do you get into the party, somehow by no merit of yours, you get the VIP lounge with full access. Full access. All of it. Every spiritual blessing. And it's simply put, is you gain that access by someone else's merit, not by yours, namely Jesus' merit. And this, the access is granted through justification by faith and see a few a few weeks ago month ago whenever it was that I preached last sorry I had kind of made reference to kind of a medieval type stronghold and and the king and what it means and so it's just a slightly different analogy I want to hit it again it's just you know there would be a city in medieval times and they would build a wall around it to protect themselves from invaders and wildlife and whatever just they would build the wall to protect it and so this really is stating it's not only do you get access you weren't a citizen you get access inside the walls and then you get access past the courtyard and then you get access past the temple and you get access into the king's chamber permanently forever you get access into the king's chamber. And there's not, there's not like an angel up there just saying like, hey man, you know, Peter's got his appointment in 15 minutes. Like you need, to, you need to hurry up. I mean, your time's done for the day. It is unlimited and forever. And that is truly something to marvel at. We hear it all the time. It's kind of some church speak. It's kind of things that we, I think it's something that we hear a lot and it doesn't resonate. But I want you to know that two minutes in his presence, everything that you have ever wanted will be complete. There will be nothing lacking for two minutes in his presence and we get it forever. Forever. It's because of Jesus that we get this access only because of Jesus. So moving on in verse 2, we come to the section of that verse that says, into this grace in which we stand. And again, we're going to hammer it all day. It's because of Jesus that we get this access. But even more than that, it's Jesus that allows us to stand in that access. 
It's so easy to forget that our works don't gain us more grace or more standing. Our works and effort don't affect God's love for us at all. Does that mean you don't give any? No, of course that doesn't mean that. When you understand, when you have a regenerate heart and you see the price that was paid for you and you see the access that's been given to you, the regenerate heart says, Lord, how can I serve you? Even in my broken state, in my sinful broken state, how can I serve you? But it's so easy to get mixed up in it. And we're so accustomed to the thought process of, of making, making our thoughts works-based. Like if I can't do enough, I'm not worthy. I'm, or whatever, whatever it is that you might be struggling with and all that. We're so accustomed to it. To that thought process in our physical world around us. We're so performance-driven. It's sometimes impossible. Or for me it is, anyway. I mean, sometimes it's impossible almost, to divorce myself from that way of thinking when it comes to my relationship with God and with Jesus. And we get to stand in an impossible place. In an impossible place. For us to be able to receive any of this is just on merit of Christ alone. And see, so this is where it gets me is because it's so extra. Like, he could pardon us and just not smite us like we deserve. And that would be good enough. He could do all that without ever bringing us into his chamber. That is extra. That is the love of Christ. Because he is extra. He's been doing it from the beginning. The people that he loves, he loves and he loves and he loves and you can't, you have to have his Holy Spirit to even understand how to carry the weight of his love for you. And even this letter here, this, this book of Romans that was written to the Jews, you know, this particular passage to me, I mean, I'm sure at some degree they were probably wrestling with it a little bit because this wasn't really, this wasn't, this type of access to God was not something the Orthodox Jew was familiar with. Access to God's presence was really granted one time a year for the high priest. And sometimes he didn't even make it out. Because the presence of God is so far separated from us, from men, from the way we live and the way we see the world and through our filter and lens. It would literally kill us to stand in the presence of God. That's why we don't stand in the presence of God in our own merit. So I have a question. What do you think God's opinion of you is today? Do you envision him looking down at you in disappointment? Do you think about him saying, man, I could sure bless him or her better, more thoroughly, if they'd just try harder. If they'd commit more time and devotion to me, then I could really shower my love on them. And I even threw in, um, just because I thought it was so good, Paul Washer, uh, a teacher that I enjoy reading thoroughly, he quotes, you ask me, what is the greatest act of faith? To me, is to look in the mirror of God's word, see all my faults, all my sin, 
all my shortcomings and to believe that God loves me exactly how he says he does. Do you look at yourself that way? I want to be clear. There is a healthy amount of self-reflection that has to take place in the, in the life of a believer. I'm not saying that you totally dismiss that. The Lord, will con- the Lord will convict you. The Lord will change your heart. If you belong to the Lord, he will not let you continue to walk in sin. Whether he puts a brother in your life that comes and says, Hey man, what are you doing? Or it's conviction in your heart or something, something will, he will speak to you through scripture. But, but, do you ever look at yourself and think like, man, I really fell short this week? Anybody ever do that? Anybody ever read scripture and be like, man, I'm so far away from what this book tells me I'm supposed to be. Like, how in the world am I ever going to make it? You know, well, you are going to drop the ball all the time. Continually, you will drop the ball. Of course, you fell short this week. Of course you did. The radical truth is that every promise we stand on is rooted in Christ alone. It's his show. It is rooted and foundationally built upon Christ alone. It's kind of like the equivalent of getting all the ingredients to make a cake and just throwing them in the kitchen floor. Like, Of course it's never going to be a cake. There's a lot more to it than that. There's a lot more things that are needed. A lot more. You've got to have a pan. You've got to have a stove. You've got to have an oven. You've got to have all sorts of things. We won't be standing in heaven in our own merit. It's not our cake to bake. We're just one of the ingredients. We're not the chef. You're not the chef. It was never meant for you to carry the merit. I promise you it's too heavy. You can't do it. That's why we lean into Jesus continually. We didn't start our own salvation. It takes God-given faith to recognize your depravity, to recognize your brokenness. We, didn't, we haven't sustained and progressed our own salvation. It takes Jesus inside of us to press us onward. I would say even most of the time in spite of ourselves. And we certainly won't finish our own salvation because Jesus promises to complete it. Jesus promises to complete it. It's all rooted in Christ, guys. It's all rooted in Jesus. Jesus alone He's the grace that we firmly get to stand in. So moving on to probably, it's all wonderful. This is probably my favorite section of verse 2. And we see that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is the hope we have like I've been talking about, when we look at our own lives and hearts and wonder, how in the world am I ever going to measure up to this? 
How in the world do I, how do I walk this race, let alone complete it, let alone have the right heart at all in anything? How do I do that? And I want to share a few personal examples with my life because this hits me in new waves continually as I grow with Jesus. And I consistently read scripture and realize where I've fallen short. Uh, you know, I operate in a lot of different roles in my life and on days, like I said earlier, on days when my flesh is subdued enough that I can kind of just be with the Lord and see the truth of it and see the truth and from more of his perspective than what I have the strength to muster to have the right perspective. There's, as, as a husband, there are continual times that I recognize my heart and my marriage is selfish and focused on me instead of loving Catherine selflessly the way that Jesus loves me when I compare myself to Scripture. I see my heart failing me as a parent when I get home from a stressful day at work and unleash my lack of patience on my children. Losing my head. Not representing Jesus well at all to my children. As an employee, I see plenty of times in my leadership role where I'm trusted to lead by example and end up seeing myself fall short of glorifying Christ in it. Even, even in my flawed example, when, when the job gets done, the box gets checked, whatever it was, the mission gets completed. There's still times where I look back and it's just like, man, I... I didn't represent Christ at all in that. You know? And then sometimes if I'm really being 100% honest with you guys, sometimes I see my life and I know the deep dark reaches of my heart that, I, that Jesus continually brings out and thank goodness he continually changes. But I see that and I look, I look at how sinful I am in the mirror of Scripture and I think, what could you have made me a pastor? How in the world could my heart be equipped for that? And the truth is, it's because it's not. If anything, it's because it's worse than yours. There's none of that. But I mean, it just, there's, like me being in that, this role must be a mistake. And God's like, no, no, it's not. I have you absolutely where you're supposed to be. And so what I'm getting at, what I'm getting at in all that is that while it's always good, like we said before, to recognize your need for Christ, and you see every area, like I said, every single one of those areas, you could literally just insert Jesus as the solution for all four. And thankfully, excuse me, thankfully, it does. Jesus does get entered into all of those, and he continually corrects me. But whether it's looking at your own merit and looking at how much you deserve to go to heaven for your good deeds or whatever it is that you feel like, or whether it's constantly believing what your heart, the enemy, and sin are condemning against you. Either way, your focus is on the wrong spot. Your focus is on the wrong spot. Like I said, Jesus will correct the sin in your life. You walk toward Jesus and he will not let the sin continue to exist if you belong to him. He, pr he promises to be and to provide in us all of those things we could never hope to achieve on our own. My desire to be a good husband at all, the only reason that I have a desire to be a good husband it's because of Jesus. 
And he changes my heart continually because of the wonderful woman that's in my life. He changes it continually in his grace. And my desire to be a good parent comes from the same place. His work of redemption is sustained and carried out regardless of my performance. We have to get that. There's a balance. There's a balance for sure. You can't walk in sin continually and belong to Jesus. It does not work. But if you are walking with Jesus, he will address the sin in your life. You focus on Jesus. His merit alone. My desire to be an employee that glorifies Jesus is going to be worked out, sustained, and carried out by the one who paid for it on the cross. I mean, it's so easy to get discouraged if you're truly a passionate Christian who reads the book and really, really, you really want it. You really want to be godly and you really want your life to show how wonderful Jesus is. Man, some days it can be discouraging because you're like, man, I I have so much stuff I want to do and say and there's not a single ounce of merit in my bones that can back any of it up without Jesus. It's all his show. Everything in this book, every single line in this book points to Jesus. Every single line. Everything in the Old Testament pointed to Christ. We don't teach children about Noah's Ark just because they saved the animals and different things, we teach children about Noah's Ark because it's a picture of the salvation of Christ. The lamb caught in the thicket when Abraham's going to sacrifice his son, the lamb that just happens to be there right on time is a picture of Christ. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they're in the furnace... The fourth man in the fire is Christ. He has been, he will be forever. There's only one hero in this story. There's only one hero in any story. Whether, it's, whether you want to say it's this story or whether you want to look at it individually in your heart and your life as your own story, whatever the case is, I'm telling you, there's only one hero. And his name is Jesus So, with that being said, believer, how many of us this morning are looking to our own merit to gain our favor and godliness? How many of us have an incorrect view of the Father looking at us from heaven? How many of us have tried to water down the price that was paid at the cross by thinking we could manipulate God into loving us more than he already does? What we need this morning is for us to have a fresh view of our position as believers with God the Father through Jesus Christ. And like we've already discussed, it doesn't mean that we get to do whatever we want and live life however we want and go whatever direction we want. It doesn't mean that. If it means that to you, then you need to work out your salvation with the Lord. 
Because if that's you, then you do not know Jesus. You can, have, you, you, can be a, you can be walking with Jesus and stumble into sin, maybe even for a season. But you really know Jesus. You will not stay there. You know why? Because you're not the one that finishes your salvation. Jesus finishes your salvation. If you truly belong to him, he's not going to let you continue. We've got to be encouraged by that, guys. We've got to be encouraged by that. You've got to see that. Do you want to work? Do you want to work? Do you want to labor? Do you want to perform well for your king? Sure you do. Sure you do. And keep on with it. Devote every minute of your life to this word. Every minute that you can spare, devote it to this book. And I threw in a small quote here that really solidifies this. It's by R.C. Sproul. He says, We are secure not because we hold tightly to Jesus, but because Jesus holds tightly to us. So we need to recognize this morning that we aren't like Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12 states. We are not the author and finisher of our faith. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. So this morning, believer, I just want, I just want you to take a moment and to recognize that he loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you and that is it. And Jesus came and bought you with a price so that you might live and not live to focus on yourself and to stare at your own feet and stumble continually. He knows you're going to fall. He bought you before the world began. You don't think he knows every single mistake you're going to make? He knew what he was buying. He created what he was buying. He knew what it was going to be. He knew who you were going to be. And he loved you and he did it anyway. So believer this morning, I want us all to get a picture of what the grace of Jesus really means and what he bought and the freedom that that gives you in Christ to live and to walk in him without condemnation. And so now, I want to talk to the unbelievers. If you are in this room and you would say, I either do not know Jesus, I don't know Jesus the way you're talking about him, whatever the case may be, I want to tell you, even though through this morning there's kind of been a good picture of the gospel painted, I want to make sure that I tell you the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is that there is one God and he is perfect and he is blameless and he is faithful in all accounts and you are none of those things even sort of. None of those things. There is no hope. The bar is so far out of sight you can't even see it. But Jesus, that bar is nothing. Jesus was with God from the beginning 
of forever. And he stepped out of his deity and took the form of a man and he came to live on this earth as a carpenter, as a common man. And he lived the perfect sin-free life that we all desperately wish we could, but we can't. He lived it. And he died in the place of justice that you deserved. Because for your sin and your crimes, there absolutely had to be justice. Or God the Father isn't a good judge. And we've, this whole book is full of the fact that he says he's a good judge, right? So, Jesus satisfied your place of justice for the wrath of God. And not only does that separate you from that wrath of God, it goes into what we talked about today. It gives you access. It gives you access to the creator of everything. So, as we move into the last few minutes of worship of the day, if there is somebody in here who does not know Jesus or who wants to pray through knowing Jesus or who wants to talk through Scripture, I promise I will be available for whatever it takes, for whatever amount of time it takes. I will be available. There's going to be a prayer team that can, can even go ahead and come down front. If you'd like to come up and, and pray with one of them, that's fine as well. Um, there's, there's a few people around. There's a few deacons around. If you want to pray with somebody, I promise you there's somebody here for you. If you want to talk, if you want to learn more after the end, please just make that known. Because the invitation is open. It will not always be, but today in God's grace, it is open. It is open and available. And if you feel the Lord pulling on your heart right now today, in whatever capacity, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, act on it today, now. Do it now. The Holy Spirit doesn't make mistakes. He didn't pick the wrong person. So, as we continue to worship, please seek out some help if you want to know Jesus.